Welcome everyone to the Modern Day Overthinker Podcast. My name is Colin and I'm your host. This week's episode is with Romero Antonio Perez. Sorry, I'm a little late on this episode. There were some technical issues, but I promise it's worth the wait on this episode. I spoke with Romero and we talked about his battles with addiction, mental health, building a new life, making amends. Just had him share his story, and it's an awesome story, and it's very compelling. And I feel like a lot of you will enjoy this one and get a lot out of it. It was very heartfelt and emotional, vulnerable. All the things that we like to hear on this podcast because sharing is very important. I'm very grateful Romero really opened up on this and shared a lot of his story with us, so I appreciate that, and before we begin here, I want to give a shout out to a couple of our sponsors for this episode. Brandon over at Flyover State Pictures, the link will be in the description of this podcast. He helped get the video updated for YouTube, so if you're not subscribed on YouTube, definitely subscribe to me, Modern Day Overthinker. And Flyover State Pictures. Also, follow them on Facebook. I'll have the link in the description of this podcast. Also, I have a message from one of my new sponsors, my dear friend, Katie Miller. This is a message I cannot read in her voice, but I'm going to read exactly what she advised me to mention because there's a special offer for Modern Day Overthinker listeners that want to purchase her products. So this is Katie. Hello, fellow Modern Day Overthinker fans and overthinkers. I'm Katie Miller, and I own Lillian Pine, a clean skincare brand made locally here in the Quad Cities. Our lotions, scrubs, soaps, and sprays help my customers not have to overthink holiday shopping or self-care. Head to our website and enjoy $10 off any order, no minimum purchase, with the code M-D-O-T, and that's lilyandpine.com, L-I-L-L-I-E and A-N-D, pine, P-I-N-E, dot com, and use the promo code M-D-O-T for $10 off your order, no minimum purchase. It's a busy time of year, so I'd like to recommend our best self-care option, Calm Balm, a moisturizing mood Balancing Vegan Balm, truly equals parts skincare and self-care. We all deserve to be in a good mood. Calm Balm helps. Again, that's Lillian Pine. Katie from Lillian Pine is a good friend. She's also been on the podcast before a while back, so check that episode out. That was about a year ago. But without further ado, this is episode number 77 with Ramiro Antonio Perez. Modern Day Overthinker Podcast. My name is Colin and I am your host. This week's episode is with Ramiro Antonio Perez. Uh, thank you for being here, Ramiro. I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, we're inside. It's actually nice outside. Uh, I don't know when it's supposed to actually start getting cold, but I'm cool with it. Um, yeah, I wanted to uh, have you on. Uh, we just met over like the past year, probably. Yes. And uh, I want to give you an opportunity to share some of your story. I know you got a lot we could talk about, so we kind of talked about that beforehand just because we could probably do like a two-hour episode. Probably. And yep. uh, trying to keep things a little bit shorter because everybody like me is uh, – attention spans are low. So, yep. Yeah. This will be a five-minute video. This will be a five-minute <laughs> And that's it. Uh, but – yeah, man, I wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Uh, you're from the area, right? Yes, born and raised 
uh, on the east side of Davenport, down by Wonderbread. I'm still living there. It was uh, a house um, I grew up in and then inherited from my mother when she passed away. Um, I mean, I can go into a whole thing about the house. It's just, it's crazy. Um, I mean, I could just start there uh, with my story, yeah. if you'd like me to. Um, I'm going to just a little bit. All right. So, um, right around... In 2005, uh, I graduated from Ambrose at, I think I was 26, um, moved back. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I had met who my wife, Kelly, uh, in 2004, uh, I was working at a bar and I was just, you know, partying and, and, um, well, whatever. And, but my mom was, uh, dying at the time. Uh, from cancer, but she she had cancer for 15 years. Like ever since I was uh, 12, maybe she was battling just just, just battling cancer. But she was in like sometimes I'll post on Facebook that she was the strongest person I knew because she was uh, she was uh, I believe a CNA uh, or, j- or just a, a I don't know what above. Uh, she wasn't a registered nurse yet, but she was working down at CHC, and um, but she went to school while she was battling cancer. Uh, she moved to Milwaukee for a, there's a nursing school up there or whatever, uh, while she was doing that. And I mean, she basically worked, uh, up until she couldn't work anymore. Like she never was like, Oh, what was me? Like never. Um, but anyways, she, when she passed away, uh, I graduated from Ambrose. Uh, I, I have a, uh, a bachelor's in marketing and then a minor in economics. Um, but I graduated and then I, I believe it was like a week later she died. And, um, I knew that I was going to be inheriting some stuff, Yeah. but I didn't realize how much money I was actually going to inherit. Yeah. Cause she's probably very, yeah. Cause it was frugal. just, it she's was just me and my mom. Um, you know, growing up, my, my father, uh, I, I have a great relationship with my dad, just to preface it. But, um, you know, he left when I was in the second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so you lived, you lived with your mom? Yeah, it was just me and my mom, and I'm the only kid. Um, I, I have a sister now uh, uh, from my, my dad's marriage. And, you know, I, I, I love everything about uh, that whole situation. At first, when I was a little kid, I didn't, you know, I didn't know how Confusing. to react. Yeah. But anyways, my mom passed away. I inherited a lot of money. And, um, and how old were you? 26. Scary time to get a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I was already in kind of the nightlife, party life. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't DJing anywhere at the time, but I was still, you know, I, I DJed in like just as I DJed in my bedroom for like almost 10 years before I even had the confidence to like. Hey, does anybody want to hire me to DJ? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's You're uh messing around. Yeah. And fun. Yeah. But she passed away and I, I inherited all this money and I was like, Well, okay, now I'm gonna have my own DJ business and that's and I bought all this equipment and um but then I, when I started working at the nightclub, uh, it was Lucky's up at the steeplegate. Um the bar back had um a very great uh ecstasy connection. Mm. And, um, I just started blowing money. I mean, it was just, I, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say I went from uh, a quarter of a million dollars to, to nothing within two years, maybe even a year. Yeah. And, um, a lot of it was gambling too. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would get, I would just get very, I was always, a stimulant type person. I was never really like a cocaine addict. I, I was at a time, <laughs> but anyways, whatever uh, you got, yeah, whatever you got. I, yeah. I never did heroin or yeah. uh, smoked crack, but, um, but yeah, it was just, uh, after that, it, you know, I had my first child and then I started working in nightclubs and Were you still with the same woman. Yes. Yes. Time? I was with Kelly the whole time. And, um, I, I got, this huge ego, uh, I think a lot of it was the attention that I never got uh, in high school, uh, just period, you know, and uh, I didn't know how to react to, I couldn't control myself, basically. 
uh, to all the attention I was getting on top of the drugs that I was doing. Um, and, uh, I did a lot of bad things, uh, during that time, you know, as far as infidelity, um, lying, stealing, um, and it just all built up to this, this head where I just, uh, I started losing. You're untouchable. I, I thought I was untouchable, but then it, it came to a point where every, I started losing every single thing and it was just like, you lost this, you lost this, you lost mm-hmm. this. And I was working at a, a DJ shop that's in in the area and I was co-managing that place. And, um, that's when I was really bad. Like that was one of the last jobs that I had. And, um, it was just me and another gentleman running the place and, um, his father had passed away and I, I kind of like, he took his father's spot and then I took his spot in the business. His, you know, his father was nice enough to give me an opportunity and I, and then, and I did the thing that I told myself that I would never do and it. And that is steal from somebody who's real. You know, I always had this attitude that, oh, yeah, you can steal from stores, blah, blah, blah. That's okay. But I would never do it to somebody that's that's real. Yeah, you had a line. Yeah. And uh, it got bad. It got really bad quick. Uh, it got so bad that, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I obviously had to fess up to it. Yeah. And then... Um, he actually let me keep the job after I fessed up to it. Wow. And and then I think it was maybe a day or two later I, I caught myself doing the same thing. Oh shit. And I said I said, you know, I can't I can't work here anymore. I can't control myself. Good call. You know. Uh and then after that, that's when my uh I think that's when my wife left and uh we were separated for a good year. She 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 actually moved out of the house that we were living in. And, um, so I was living in, in, in our family house by myself and I was, I just went downhill real quick. Uh, and I, that's when I started, um, I was doing a lot of cocaine and then the cocaine that I was getting wasn't any good. And this, this friend of mine that Classic. I hung, hmm? Classic. yeah, this, this <laughs> friend of mine, uh, he was always smoking meth and, um, uh, like I said, the cocaine wasn't any good anymore. And so I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I tried that and it was on. And oh. then, and then we learned how to make it. Mm. And uh, that's when I turned into like this weird hermit where I, you know, had all the windows in my house covered with blankets. And then Paranoia. I would, I'd, I'd be cooking dope in the house. And, but the weird thing was, is that I was just by myself. I never, after that friend that, uh, like, we had a falling out, whatever, but so I was just by myself in my house cooking dope, and then me and my wife got back together somehow, you know, and I moved into her place, uh, and I was clean for a little bit, and then I I, I, I think I found, I went back to my, my house, and I found a, a foil, because I would smoke it on foils, mm-hmm. and I found a foil up where I would hide them. And it still had dope on it, mm. and I was clean. And and then I was just like, eh, psh, psh, you yeah. know. And then after that, it just it it the, the thing about addictions is that they and not everybody knows, but it progressive like it truly oh, yeah. progressively gets worse. Yep. And it it got so bad. I was actually on probation for the theft uh, from that business that I worked for. And I stopped seeing. I, I I I booked on my probation officer twice. I mean, it's it's just so weird talking about the things that I used to do because it's just like I you know I'll tell my therapist and and he's just like I can't believe you were like that you know yeah it's it's yeah I get what you're saying and um and you I know, know some people that have done some reckless stuff and they've told me and I know them now like they they've been clean for a while I'm like no way right yeah and um. <laughs> I was I actually I'm just gonna go ahead and say it I, I took a shit behind the Aldi's on Brady Street because I passed out in a car on fit my, on my car in 15th on 15th Street I passed out um and and a cop actually came up and like knocked on the window while I was sleeping and he's like are you okay and I'm like yeah and he was just like well, all right we'll just get out of here and I think I fell back asleep or I moved my car whatever I think it, it ran out of fuel that's what it was like uh. Oh, that's what it was. But anyways, I was like, I woke up. I'm like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. So I start walking up uh, Main. Yeah, it's Main Street. Yeah. And then I'm like, KFC. <laughs> 
and I'm just battling. I can't believe I'm talking about this, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, I'm like, wait a minute, it's only nine o'clock. KFC is not open. Oh. And I'm just like, oh, and I see a trailer and then the, the ramp goes down into, and so the, the trailers can have space or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, I can go back there and man. And so I always think about that. I'm like, have you ever taken a shit behind Aldi's? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, that was my rock bottom. That yeah. was kind of, yeah, that, that was, was that, I think that, close. that, that was pretty close. Um, but anyways, um, you know, like I said, me and my wife got back together. I relapsed, and then I started cooking dope again. And I still had uh, the property uh, here in Davenport. She lived uh, out closer to uh, uh, Buffalo, or whatever yeah. bluegrass. Um, and I would go to my house and go up in the attic and cook dope. And I had squatters living there because I was in a relationship before I got back with my wife that I let this other girl live in my house while I was back with my wife. And she kept saying that she was going to pay me rent. I'm like, you're going to have to pay me rent here soon. But it, it, it basically she was squatting in my house and I was just letting it slide because I was cooking dope in the attic. Um, so anyways, I think it was that week I told the girl, Hey, you know, you're going to need to start giving me money to live here. You know, and um, she, oh yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, and then a couple of days later, I go there and I'm like, I'm gonna go up in the attic. I would never tell them what I was doing, but I'm like, I'm gonna go up the attic and clean out the attic because that was always my excuse. My, yeah, my attic was always a mess. And um, I went up there, cooked dope, drove back to uh, my wife's place, um, to to and then to pick her up. And um, I think I took what I had just made and I put it under my youngest daughter's bed because I knew I was going to come back before my youngest daughter came back to grab it, whatever. As soon as I pull out of the property and onto 61 South, um, or no, uh, 20, yeah, 61 South, um, two squads pull up behind me and I, and, uh, I'm like, Hey, what's, you know, what's, what's going on guys. And, uh, they're like, uh, just stay here, blah blah blah. And they pulled me out, and I'm like, "What's going on?" I know I haven't, I, I haven't seen my probation officer in a while, and they're like, and then they finally like, "We're investigating uh, meth lab," and I'm just like, Whew. and um, and they they took or uh, I I basically was just like, "All right, yeah, that's what I was doing." They were like, "Were you at a high V, the low V, <laughs> buying pseudos?" And I'm like, "Yep," and. Uh, what did you, I said, I, you know, I basically told them everything I told you, you know, yeah. I, I went there and boom, 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 that's where everything's at. I, I fessed up right there, then and there. And uh, that's, you know, I don't know. I, I, I hope to never be in that situation again because they're always like, don't say nothing to the cops and whatever. I don't really give a shit. And you weren't rolling on anyone but yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's where the other situation comes in with me being locked up in County for a year and a half. Um, when I got locked up, I was facing 60 years. So my wife, we were actually divorced at the time. We're still divorced um, for financial reasons, but um, she completely cut me off. I think she showed up the next day after I got locked up, just like, you know, what the fuck, man? And I can't, I can't even imagine how she was feeling and, and my kids, for fuck's sakes. Um, they were, I think my youngest was pretty young. She was maybe four, five. And then my uh, oldest was maybe eight, nine, I, I don't know, whatever. But so anyways, I was facing 60 years. So my wife thought everything was over and done with as far as me being of any existence, basically. Yeah. And and I don't falter for that at all because I don't, you know. I mean, I I fucked her over yeah. so hard. Um, you know, it's just amazing, uh, you know, where I'm at today. But um, I was in county for a year and a half because the the what do they call him the DA, the district attorney or whatever. Uh, she's actually she actually is the district attorney of Scott County now, Kelly Cunningham. Um, I actually saw her ahead. Uh, I wanted to thank her almost for keeping me in there that long. You know, um, it was torture. Uh, I actually um, 
not, not torture in a sense. Like Scott County Jail is like the nicest jail you can be in. Like it's almost like I compare it to the Radisson. Like that's how nice it is for a jail. Oh, really? It's it's very nice. Uh, they have a lot of nice programs, but um, psychologically, um, it's still it's still jail. It's still jail. It's still pretty bad. You don't. I didn't get to go outside, breathe fresh air, see the sun for a year and a half. You know, um, and like you mentioned before, it's like, just send me to prison, you know? Yeah. Um, but that whole time I was fighting to get into a program called Drug Court. Yep. Um, if you're familiar with the Drug yeah. Court program. Yeah. Um, so I kept writing. Um, Jeff Fall. Uh, shout out to Jeff Fall. But I, I, I kept writing Jeff Fall. Uh, he's a probation, he was a probation officer. He's now retired. Uh, to, you know, I've messed up and you would just write these letters and send them in and just keep hoping. And I kept seeing people that were, had lesser charges than me or I had work or no, I'm sorry, had worse charges than I did get accepted into it, uh, go to prison, come back. And I was still sitting in County and they got accepted into drug court. So I was just kind of like, you know, what the hell's going on? And, um, So uh, basically what it came down to was that they were trying to see if anybody would roll on me or, you know, because I didn't have anybody to roll on because I was doing all the purchasing of everything. I didn't have people buying me pills. You know, this wasn't Breaking Bad. I was just making enough to get to get to the next purchase of pseudos because you can only buy so much within a period of time. And um, now it's like even harder. (laughs) I I don't even I don't even know. I I, don't want to know. Yeah, I don't want to know. Um. But they, they were trying to see if, because uh, at that time, there was a lot of people getting uh, busted for cooking dope, but they were like uh, like operations, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so they were trying to see if anybody was going to involve me in it so that they could make themselves look better. I don't know. Yeah, build their case. Right. But regardless, um, I think if I hadn't have gone through all that, you know, I I, I wouldn't. I guess be obviously be where I'm at today. It's as simple as that. Um, but yeah, I, I was in there for a year and a half. Uh, I finally get accepted into the drug court program. Uh, and at the time you had to go live at the adult rehab center, the Salvation Army mm-hmm. there on yeah. Brady and uh, Kimberly pretty much. Uh, and I lived there for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was scared to leave that rehab center because I was so institutionalized. Complacent. And um, not complacent. I didn't just like, yeah, that structure. I had the structure, but I didn't know what I was going to like. I I had a friend that I was uh, locked up with in county. And he always said, I'm going to get you a job when because my dad owns a construction company. I'm going to get you a job. Excuse me. And um, so I get out. And as soon as I get out of the rehab center, my friend let me move in with him. Got me a job. Uh, my father got me a car, and um, and so I actually had something. I, it's like he helped me build, start somewhere, mm-hmm. because I was so afraid. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go work at Long John Silver's? You know, I honestly didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know where I was going to start at, mm-hmm. uh, starting my life back over. And you know, uh, my wife at the time was with someone else, mm-hmm. and they were talking about getting married and um uh that that was my biggest battle throughout the whole thing was not having my wife and kids in the picture yeah um but like i i totally understood why everything happened the way it did you know and i don't sucks it it, it, yeah it did it sucked really bad and and i i tell her when i can like i don't fault you for anything that you did yeah you know nothing um it was all it's all my fault you know what i'm saying um, but so I get out and this was in 2016, uh, and I start working, uh, I start building my life back together. Um, and then me and my wife get back together, you know, like she had a falling out with the man that she was with and me and my wife get back together. And then within a couple months, uh, she actually sold the house. That uh, I had to I had to sign the house over to my wife, my ex wife, while I was locked up, just to get that girl kicked out of my house because I couldn't do it, locked up. Yes, and um, so she, after I signed the house over to her, she ended up selling the house, 
And um, I lost a lot of stuff. And, and sometimes that still stings. But um, she didn't know what to do at the time because I was facing time, dude. You know, I was facing serious time. Um, so anyways, you know, we get back together. We move back into the house. And uh, I, I pretty much quickly move up uh, the ladder at, 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 in the construction world. Um, just by doing what I'm supposed to do, showing up to work every day, being honest, yeah. just doing what you're, you know, doing what you're supposed to do as far as it, it, kind of how I look at it now, I was kind of like a robot, you know what I'm saying? But like my, this, the whole time it was just like, you got to have integrity, dude. You got to have integrity. Like that's my biggest thing is having integrity and not, um, I have the, I have the, I don't know how many people have the opportunity to say that they have no skeletons in the closet anymore. Because when I got busted, I mean, everything was out. Everything that I was doing, and and like I, I'll tell anybody, ask me, I'll tell you what I did. You know, I'm I don't I I'm not ashamed of it. I'm glad I'm not glad that it happened, but um, I guess it just had to happen for me to be where I am today. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Own it. And, um, so, uh, in, in, but, but during those years where I was just doing what I was supposed to be doing, my mind was doing this thing where it was like, Hey, you suck. What did you do? You fucked everything up. You know, um, you should be here. You shouldn't be here. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and this, and, and this was up until like a year and a half ago. I mean, I, and, and I'm not boasting or anything, but I, I'm driving an eighty thousand dollar company truck, and I'm running, uh, I'm managing a business for for the owner of the business, and it's just me and another guy. That's what I'm, I currently do. Um, so I and I don't answer to anybody. You know, we, me and the owner of the business, we talk maybe once a year. We will probably start talking more often here soon. But um, so I had all this freedom. I was making you know, making good money. Um, but I still was just like, dude, you suck. You know, like what, what? Yeah. Just like, dude, you're not, why aren't, why don't you have that? Why don't you have your own truck? Why don't you have a Mustang? Never good enough. Nothing's ever good enough. You know, uh, uh, you know, like why isn't your basement finished? Like just (laughs) stupid shit like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel the same way about my basement. And I was, and, and dude, it, it, it got to a point where I would come home and just start nitpicking stuff and micro, trying to micromanage what my, my wife was doing at the house and just being a complete asshole. And uh, it got to a point where I was unaware of, I was somewhat aware of how I was acting, but I, I really wasn't because my wife goes, you know what? I don't look forward to you coming home anymore. And that was just like, shit. I'm like, what am I doing? And um, I'm like, all right, I'm, I, I know I need to go get therapy because I don't know what's wrong with me. Yeah. And um, so I think uh, I think I waited a month and I finally got in or I finally got up off my ass yeah. and, and went. And um, yeah, it was just it was just so weird because uh, before I before I started therapy, um, like maybe even a week before or something, I would get real angry and say hurtful things. And then afterwards, you know, I'd be like, Kelly, I don't know why I'm like this. Like, what is going, what's wrong with me? You know? And, uh, so I started going to therapy and, uh, I, I got on, uh, I used to be on Paxil back when I was doing all this uh, dumb stuff, but it was also mixed in with yeah, yeah. ecstasy, yeah, yeah. meth. So it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do in anyways. But anyways, I got back on Paxil. I went to therapy and I, 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 I lucked out. I, I, I say that I lucked out. I don't know. But I, me and him get along great. Um, like when I walked in and he's like, what are you, what are you, what are you looking for? And I said, I said, I'm looking for the relationship that, um, <laughs> what's his nuts, uh, the Goodwill Hunting. You know, yeah, I'm looking yeah. for that type of relationship with my uh, therapist. I want that you, yeah, and Robin Williams yes, exactly. Yeah. I want you to be Robin Williams. Yeah, and that's kind of how it is, you know. Um, but re- it's it's crazy. Um, talking about just talking to someone who's not your wife, who's not your friend, and um, 
being a like like every time I go to talk to him, I'm I say I I I remember things that I I did in the past, uh, mm-hmm. bad things or good things, things that just just were blocked. Bigger. Yeah, were blocked out of my memory, I guess. And um, I don't know, but uh, I would say it was last May that I started therapy and um I just came to the I don't know if it, I think it's just a mixture of the the medication that I'm on and 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 talking to somebody uh I had no confidence that's 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 basically what it boiled down to was that I didn't have any confidence because I constantly was thinking that I was a failure yeah. even though I wasn't you know yeah. what I'm saying I was I was I you know I I consider myself to be a successful person uh professionally um but I didn't think I was. I still thought I was a piece of shit. Are you comparing yourself to other people. Always, always. always yeah. You know, like why? Like I said, like I was always comparing myself to other people, okay. yeah. and um, and especially, very, very yeah. And 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 then another thing was in that whole time that the six seven years I didn't had no interest in DJing. Like my wife even bought me a little cheap controller, and I had Serato. And I would get on it and try to dig around. I'm like, this is boring. You didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. And um, and I don't like I said. I think it was a combination of the therapy and the medication that I started regaining my confidence and and saying to myself, "Hey, dude, you are good enough." And then I and then I learned the whole uh how you know when people say you're your worst enemy. What it mm-hmm. to me it it it's the, your your subconscious is constantly trying to tell you that you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and that's what I try telling my 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 youngest daughter because she's she has a lot she she has a lot of the same qualities that I have mm-hmm. when I was her age. But she's super overachiever. She's a great dancer. She's in sports. I mean, she's amazing. 14 years old has a job too. Um, but wow. yeah, and um, there it goes. Uh, but yeah, you were talking about, uh, your, just like the comparison and the, yeah, telling yourself you're a piece of shit. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, I was telling her that you have to, you can't, don't ever listen to the voice inside your head that's telling you that you're not good enough or making you doubt things. Um, and just the, the whole confidence thing is, is. It's just it's crazy to me because I always wanted to be I always wanted to emulate my father because my father always can just go up to anybody and talk to people, mm. and I was like, man, you know why why am why am I not like my dad, yeah, yeah. you know? And and that's what I told my therapist when I first started seeing him. I was like, I want to be like my dad as far as and I don't I haven't even told my dad this, you know, um, <laughs> but um, shit. You said you're trying to. Uh, you're talking about your dad and you're telling your therapist about how you wanted to be like him and how he approaches people and can just like, yeah. is he one of those guys that doesn't know a stranger? One of those type of guys? Like just, yeah, he'll just go up to anybody. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Like if we're in a baseball game or something like that, but You're good, man. <laughs> um, but I started. Um, shit, hold on. All right, I uh, I'm gonna bring up Wake. Yeah. Fuck. Hold on. No, you're good, man. <laughs> I was just thinking about my dad. He's still alive, right? Oh my god. <sighs> All right, hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're good. So, um, so Wake has uh, the wax on, wax off Wednesdays, and I only had um, one crate of records. For those uh, people that don't aren't local, what yeah. is Wake? So they know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wake is a brewery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Wake is a brewery uh, here in Rock or in Rock Island. Excuse me. But anyways, they uh, every Wednesday they have a thing where uh, people can sign up for twenty minutes to spin records and spin whatever they want. And um, I would go there. I'd ride my bike over there uh, that summer, uh, where when I was going through therapy, trying to work things out. And um, and 
I would never talk to anybody. I would just ride my bike over there and, and get something from when dark side was, was open eating and then i would go outside i'd get a beer and i'd go outside and sit by myself outside Mm -hmm. you know like that's the type of person i was excuse me i keep doing that um but uh so i was like oh finally i'm gonna i'm gonna take this i'm gonna go i'm gonna go there and i went there and and like i said all i had left was one case of records it was called maybe 30 records and um and it just it, it was amazing it was like uh like when people say it's like riding a bike it was like riding a bike and 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 to this day, the with the amount of records that I had, and the, the the music that I played, and the fact that I could actually still mix all the music with not having touched a turntable, and fuck, man, it, I don't know how long it was over over ten years, yeah. um, because I ended up pawning my turntables. I pawned everything that I had when I was uh, an addict. Yeah, um, but. Like I said, I, I to this day that set was so organic, and I don't think I could ever recreate it. Mm-hmm. But um, so I started doing that, and then I think r- right after that, um, yeah, and, and another oh, another very important thing about this past year was uh, when I uh, when I was doing um, going through my uh, therapy for for drug addiction. Uh, I was still working the 12 steps and I worked the 12 steps, but, um, I hadn't made my amends completely to everybody. And, um, and, uh, and it's almost been a year to the day that I made the amends to the gentleman that I, I co-managed that business with that I stole from. And I, I, I was just, I, I felt the, it, I got off work and I just felt weird, man. I felt empty and I'm like, I, I gotta fucking do this. I gotta reach out to him. And yeah, be like, look, dude. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was weighing on me bad. So I reached out to him, and 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 he he messaged me back, and he, he's we've seen each other here and there, and and it's kind of like we see each other, and we kind of just like look each other and smile. Yeah. And then and then he, I don't know if he just kind of like you know, yeah, yeah. but uh, we're cool. I in in that sense, yeah. you know. Uh, but you don't expect him to be your best friend, right? I right. Think. Yeah. And he's also a very successful DJ, very successful DJ awesome. uh, here locally. He's and he's he's amazing. He's an amazing person. Uh, if, if he is listening, you are amazing. Um, but uh, I after I made that amends with him and reached out to him, that that weight, like everything, just like one eighty, just like yeah. you, you know, it's just like oh my god, I feel alive. You know, and that and 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 they they talk about the the twelfth step, and my dumbass had to look up what the twelfth step was a couple of weeks ago because I forgot what it was. Right. And and it's it's a spiritual awakening. And and I'll I'll go ahead and say I'm an atheist, but I think, uh, you know, any type of spirituality that you feel is is all in your head, regardless. Um. But I, I just, I, I had this, this spiritual awakening within myself, where it's just like, you know, I'm not ashamed of myself anymore, yeah. and that was the biggest thing that I, as soon as I made those amends, I knew that I could not hide or walk around with my tail in between my legs anymore, and I think that's what it was. Uh, that was a big thing in the since I've been out of jail that was weighing on me that maybe at the time I really wasn't aware of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, ever since the reason the ninth steps nine. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's crazy. And, and, and that, and you know, the, and the weird thing about, uh, Scott County is that, uh, when you're in the drug court program, you have to go to so many meetings and really the only meetings worth going to around here are the AA meetings. Uh, for the alcohol alcoholics anonymous and um i'm not an alcoholic i do drink um you know i'm, I'm california sober however you know natural every anything natural yeah, yeah you know uh so i'm not gonna sit here and act like i'm a saint you know yeah uh but i'm in control of myself finally you know i know what my boundaries are um you know i'm not the type of person never say never but I'm at a point in my life that, you know, the, I guess the, the, 
I actually have a conscience now. Whereas before, I didn't care what I was doing because I was either always so messed up or there's something going on in my head. Uh, but it's, you know, ever since I got back into DJing and I, I made a post on Facebook, uh, I didn't have to, but basically kind of a, a summary of my story mm-hmm. saying what happened to me because a lot of people that might have been following me but went back when I was DJing because I was kind of successful back in the day. You know, I, I produced a, like, for me back then, I produced a commercial for uh, 93.5 or whatever radio station it was. Uh, you know, my name was on the radio. Like, that to me, that I'm, that's, that's cool. cool. Yeah. You know, uh, I got hired by, I was probably one of the first people in Iowa to be hired by Serato uh, to con- for a contract for a gig at North Park Mall. And they were going to have me do it. That was like the beginning of the ending of everything when I got contracted by Serato. But, um, because they were they were contacting me to go to Des Moines and stuff, and I'm just like, no, nope, I'd rather get high, you know. Yeah, priorities. Um, exactly. So, it, you know, I was I was getting there back then, and that was another reason why I was always beating myself up. Yeah. It's just kind of like, man, you fucked everything up. You could have been on MTV. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yep, yep. And um, I don't feel, like I don't feel that way anymore. I I I'm kind of the person that like just you know I obviously care, but I don't care about those things anymore. Like uh like as far as DJing, if I get to DJ, I'd rather DJ somewhere for free than not DJ at all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel that the same way about comedy. Yeah, and and um, so like if I don't have a paid gig at some nightclub, you know, I'd I'd rather you know play somewhere else for free just so I can because I have so much fun doing it, and each time I do it, I honestly get better. Yeah. Um. So totally yeah, and and as far as uh, you know, like I said, I just I just go around doing the right thing, um, you know, not crossing boundaries with people, and um, and and just being an honest person. And and also the other thing that's really important, uh, like if you're out with a, you know, if you have a, a click, is not getting involved. Like it's it's really uh, really freeing to be married. You know what I'm saying? To me, it's and and, and I don't think a, a a lot of people can say that. Because uh, uh, you know, I think right now in our in, in my relationship with my wife, I mean, it's it just every day and every day it gets better, and and it's the same way I feel about my life. Is like every day it just somehow gets better, mm-hmm. just doing the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Not uh, not lying. Being honest. Being honest. Not lying. And that's what I told my daughter. It's like, uh, <laughs> she, my 14 year old daughter, backed into a car. Uh, last week and we just found out about it Mm. um and i said i i said to her i said i said you know that feeling that you had when you backed into that car and then you just drove off and did what you're supposed to do and then you came back home and you just had this feeling and you've probably had this feeling up until i asked you about it that's what lying does to you you're always if you're lying to people hiding stuff from people gossiping about people you're gonna have this shitty feeling. Oh, yeah. Something, something's always gonna be waiting. Unless you're a complete psychopath. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, and and that was my thing was that you know I was always lying, cheating, stealing, and uh, like you said, I was I was getting away with a lot of it for a long time. So I thought I was untouchable, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it was always that dreadful feeling. It's gonna catch up to me eventually, and it caught up to me in in, in almost the worst way. Um, and like, I tell my daughter, like I, t- I tell her, I'm like, I'm not even supposed to be here, Allie, you know? So yeah. I feel that way. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the honesty, dude, like when you were talking about sharing, uh, and finally, you know, apo- well, apologizing or yeah. making your amends, making your, I, I like, um, I like the word amends better than apologizing. Um, just because it's it's more than just saying sorry, like it's legitimately like being like this is what I did, this is what I did wrong, and how can I make it right? Yeah, and yeah. And, and the other thing about the amends that I made with him was that I I I don't think I've technically said I'm sorry to him. You know what I'm saying? I reached out to him and was just like, hey, is it okay that I come over? You know, obviously I need to, I said, I think it was obviously I need to apologize to you about everything that I've yeah, done, yeah, yeah. but I, and, and I think we, we ran into each other at that, uh, martini 
shake off. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, this girl spilled a drink on my hand and I, I went like this and then I looked at her and then he's standing right next to her and we we're just like, you know uh, yeah and uh i think we we're both just kind of shocked so i you know and then it wouldn't have been the right place anyways but i think if if uh if we ever did finally run into each other where it was just me and him you know i would hope he would want to at least talk to me and and maybe i could you know really say i'm sorry you know what i'm saying because i don't think i've reached out like you know that's what they say you reach out to him you know you do your part yeah, you know, I, I, yes, I, I, I did my part. I reached out to him, and however he wanted to accept it yeah. is, is what it is. Yeah. And uh, but I still, and, and like I said, nothing weighs on me anymore about that. But I still would would like to, you know, uh, properly, I guess. Uh, but I guess there's really no proper way to do anything in life, is there? Yeah, there's no handbook. On yeah, no. yeah, and that's what I. And then, like going back to the situation with my daughter wrecking a car, I was telling my my wife was freaking out about it. And I'm like, honey, we don't know what we're doing here. We've never had this happen to us, and my wife's never been the type to take the car, take her parents' car. I took my mom's car once when I was like 12, and uh, my stepsisters, uh, uh, I believe their cousins, would always take their cars when they were like 15. And right. so I'm like telling my wife, I'm like. Kids kind of do this dumb shit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but if it happened, like, and then I told, I said, Allie, if don't ever make, I mean, you can, but don't ever make the same mistake twice. And that's another way I try to live my life is not to make the same mistake twice because I did it for too long, you know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, learning from those mistakes, and yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so, I was so scared to take my parents' car. Uh, <laughs> I never did it, but I know so many people who did that. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so common. I mean, yeah, yeah that age. At least she was. Uh, so she, yeah, fourteens. Uh, yeah, luckily she knew kind of how to drive. Yeah, she's got. To, yeah, that's the thing is that she has her permit, okay, and and yeah. we will we'll let her drive every once in a while. To, yeah. but she's she's actually in class now, or tomorrow she will. But anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, at that age, I uh, I used to be a kleptomaniac when I was 12 to 13, 14. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just the, the, the grimy shit that I used to do when I was a little kid. And uh, and that was the other thing is just like, why didn't you tell us? You know, I and I prep when I, yeah. I, I confronted her about it. I prefaced it by saying, I said, honey, you need to understand that I don't get mad about like serious things like if it's something serious like i won't get like my dumbass gets mad about having to uh you know wait in the car like i my anxiety like the only type of anxiety i get now is like driving like a, i hate to say this but she knows like i have to drive my daughter around a lot of places and sometimes she's she's got so much going on that she'll forget and then she'll say oh i need to do this and then i'll, I'll just like you know or, I did not or plan for this. That or like she like the first time I took her to her driver's ed, she forgot her uh her ID or driver's permit mm-hmm. and like super shit like that makes me mad. Yeah. yeah. But like something serious, uh like I was like, don't be scared to tell us something, you yeah. know, because I used to be that way when I was a kid. For some reason I was scared of my mom and my mom wasn't mean, you know. And, uh, but I just I yeah. guess I just always had that don't want to let her down i think yeah yeah i guess i don't know like i was just uh, it, like it was like i was a good kid on the surface but i was a, like i used to change my report card like I, at assumption they used to print out it was like a dot matrix they would print out your grades mm-hmm. and so i would turn d's into b's and f's into b's and um and 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 i i learned it from somebody else but we would do it and it would look perfect and what i would do is then i would i'd photocopy it and then give it to my mom. Like, I was just, like, I was so intuitive with just the dumbest shit. You know what I'm saying? Or, uh, in, or, or, in, I forgot whatever. you went to Assumption. That's yeah. yeah. Class of 96. Oh, yeah. 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 I went back there, uh, for a game for my, one of my daughter's games. Uh, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird. I want to, I want to go back through the hallways and stuff like that. I just want to smell it. You know, that's all, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. It hasn't changed that much. Um, it's, uh, they still don't have AC there. It's insane. Remember that August? I oh. yeah. I kind of. I I I don't remember much from high school. I mean, I do remember bits and pieces of yeah, it, yeah. but um, I was basically one of like three people of color 
at Assumption. Oh, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was always, like, the stoner kid, like, the whole time okay. Assumption. Yeah. And then, like, when I was a senior, by, by the time I became a senior, like, that's when stoner culture was in, you know, and everybody... Then you were cool. Then I was cool, you know. And, and, and I've been doing this the whole time. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and, uh, like I, I'll run into old classmates and, 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 uh, say if this was two years ago, I would just kind of like, but now I'll, I'll, I'll like come up to them and be like, Hey, you know, yeah. um, and that's, uh, that's cause, cause you were probably comparing yourself to them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, look at this person. They got their own business, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, look yeah. at me. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't care anymore. I, that, that's the thing. I don't, the only thing I care about is my wife and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and just making sure that they're okay. That's the, that's the old, you have an older, your son's older. No, no, I have two daughters. I got an 18 year old. Yeah. I have an 18 year old and a 14 year old. And, um, like that's, that's all I care about. I don't care about money. I don't care. I I honestly don't let other outside forces bother me. And the only in the, and another th- going back to anxiety, the the other thing that gives me anxiety is other people's anxiety. Ooh. Like if another person's, you can tell that they're they're anxiety. They have bad anxiety. Yeah. Um. But like my anxiety uh turns into anger. You know, it's yeah. weird. Mine can do that too. Yeah. So my anxiety, like every time, just turns into anger. You just get irritable. And- I get very irritable. Yeah. yeah I just kind of get like this, just kind of like, <sighs> you know. <laughs> Um, and you get mad about dumb shit. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yep. Yep. And you're just walking on eggshells around yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that's all. That's all I care about. Well, you is, learn that in therapy, though. Yeah. A lot of that. And how often do you go to therapy? You're a weekly guy. Uh, I I was weekly. Now I'm. I I see him. Uh, maybe two times a month. I'm gonna go see him yeah. tomorrow or Tuesday. Or, or no, I'm sorry, Monday or Tuesday. I was like, you got a Sunday guy? Where are you going? Yeah, right. No. Where are you finding Sunday guys? Like, no. <laughs> uh, no. And, and that's the thing that kind of pisses me off is that I'm I'm fortunate enough to have uh, uh, decent insurance. Mm. Yeah. And um, it, and it, and it, more rare. Yeah. And it, and it makes me angry that there's people that, you know, I, I'm not saying that I don't need therapy, but I think there's people that need it more than me. You know what I'm saying? And I, I don't know if that's a fair thing to say, but they can't get help. You know what I'm saying? Or or it's going to, sorry, it's going to be two months till we can help you. Maybe two months is too late, you know? I totally agree with you on that. It's frustrating. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's a, a double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess, uh, you know, I, I do kind of let things like that, that kind of bother me as far as, uh, you know, people not being able to get help and... Um, I don't know. It's just it's been a big thing in the in this past year. With uh, I give all all the credit to uh, obviously myself, but 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 the therapy and and and, and again the medication has to be doing something, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm like I said, every day has, has somehow keeps getting better. And and honestly, I've and not to be morbid, but like I've even accepted my death. Like I don't like I don't care if I die. You know, it's just, it, it is what it is. It's life, you know? But so. you're not living that lifestyle where you're like... Right. Because there's a different way to look at that. Like, if you're like in active addiction, like, I don't care if I die. That's like a dark, morbid... Right, yeah. You're just like, okay. It's it's more in the sense like, uh, it, it's it's okay. It's yeah, okay if I die. <laughs> I'm not living with regrets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I guess that's the way to look at it. Yeah, yeah that I don't, I don't have any questions uh, about things and... Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I know this old older lady from recovery uh, who said something in uh, recently about you know she's getting older, so and, you know had a lot of friends pass away, and she just like I'm living every day like it's my last. I'm like hell yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that's kind of you got to do it, man. You don't know, even <laughs> if you're whether you're 25 or 75. Yeah. And that's a, and and did, did, have you heard this that uh, people who are, um, I guess, uh, creatives, yeah, uh, creatives and and perfectionists, um, which we tend to be, yeah, you know that if 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 you get 
like I smoke a lot of cigarettes and I, and I, I do need to quit. And I, I always tell myself tough that, one. I, so yeah, like before I'm the end of the I never got hooked on cigarettes. I don't know how I didn't, but yeah, like before the end of the year, like I seriously need to quit because, uh, it, it's, it's, it's expensive and it's obviously not good for you, no. but like, talk about progressive addictions like i've you know i've gone from one pack to two packs a day but then i rationalize it by the fact that i get up at four in the morning every day and i yeah and i don't go to bed till like 10 so that's a lot of cigarettes to smoke (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but the thing with uh creatives is that uh we got to be perfectionists at everything and we also if you're into addiction you want to be the best addict there is and 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 I think that's basically what it came down to with my with my meth addiction, uh, that I wanted to be the best goddamn meth addict that there is, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of the attitude that I had that I didn't really realize until now. Um, but yeah, it's just, and it's it's, it's just like I'm not gonna end up like these guys. Or, exactly, but it's just kind of weird how the mind works, where you know, I I can be I can have a drink, I can drink socially. And there's people that just can't fucking do that. No. You know, and, 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 and what's crazy is that that boggles my mind as an addict. Like, it, it, like why am I able to do this? Yeah, why am I able to do this? But then again, then I think about it. I'm like, well, they don't sell meth at stores. They don't have bars that you can go do meth at. You know what I'm saying? So imagine how hard it is for an alcoholic to oh, just live life. It's everywhere. Dude. It's everywhere. You know, so accessible. It's yeah, yeah, and and the and the fact that there's no there's no stigmas attached to it really. When you think about it, in in society, there's no stigmas other than you know, oops, somebody died, drunk driver. You know, and and when people die, a lot of people die every fucking day from drinking, and no nobody really cares. You know, it's just it's just kind of you know, I could go into this whole thing of how how the system works and stuff like that, but I'm not gonna. Um, I need to have a conspiracy episode, though, for sure. I've been talking about it for a long time. I've had so many people on that are like, had to stop themselves like you just did. Yeah. And I like that. I like going down the rabbit hole, but it's like, uh, maybe I need to start a different podcast for that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, there's so much to go off of. Because when I first started the podcast, I didn't know what I, what I wanted it to be. I knew I wanted to call it Modern Day Overthinker because I just liked that name. And it was always just stuck in my head, but I was like, uh, what am I going to focus on? You know, there's so many things I could talk about. And yeah, conspiracy theories was one of the things that I was like, eh. And then I was like, okay, there's enough of that going on. And the biggest thing, the feedback I've gotten is like, oh, you're a dude running a podcast where you generally talk about mental health, where it's like, the and the funniest part is like most of my listeners are women. Yeah. Because women tend to... There's still that stigma with men on mental health. It's getting better, um, and people are being uh, more proactive about going to therapy and talking about, you know, guys have feelings too. You yeah. Need to fucking hide them. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, and 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 I feel like uh, I don't know if if it's a sixth sense or uh, sixth sixth sense. Yeah. Uh, but like I can immediately, uh, not immediately, but if I'm around people enough, like I can pretty much tell what their anxiety triggers are, uh, if they are that type of person and if they need therapy, but I would never be like, Hey dude, you need to go see a therapist. And that's, that's kind of the tough part, you know, where you can't be like, Hey dude, you should probably go see a therapist. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. You know? And, and a lot of it's been a few times where I've I've said that to people. Yeah. And and it's the thing is that people aren't aware. You're, you're usually not aware that you're, you're being a certain way at work or, you know, act in a certain way. And a lot of it boils down to uh, anxiety or, or, people projecting mm-hmm. you know that's a big one um yeah some people don't necessarily need a therapist per, per se but just they need to get honest yeah because they're sitting with that whatever it is exactly yeah and like i'm gotten to a point with people who are like i know i have people i've always had people overshare with me anyway yeah and uh people will sometimes apologize i'm like don't right I just don't like uh, I don't I'm not I'm like the last person that's going to judge. I've heard so many messed up things that people have done and you know, I obviously done some messed up stuff in my life and it's just like 
as long as you're owning it and trying to get better, that's what's important to me. Exactly. And that, yeah, that's the thing is that I, you know, I mean, my, if you Google my, my full name, but now, at now you have to Google it with Davenport in it. Like my Quad City Times story will come up of, of what I did, Ooh, that sucks. you know, uh, but at first it used to be the first thing that would come up when you'd Google my name. Now, now I think I've done a well enough job of posting so much shit on social media that go. it's kind of, kind of buried it. Nice <laughs> go, baby. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if anybody wants to know, just fucking Google my name and put Davenport and it'll come up the Quad City Times, uh, article. Um, I hope they soon do an article, uh, of the plane actually landing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but you know, and th- that was another tough thing that I think I was dealing with was that uh, everybody knew what I did. You had a smear on your name. Though. Yeah, and and the funny thing was is that when I would talk to people about it, they would say I had no idea. So I'm walking around acting, thinking that everybody has this notion of me, and then they had no idea what the fuck I was doing. They didn't exactly. care. People have their own shit, man. Yeah, they don't care about us. <laughs> yeah. Not the main character. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Everybody has their own little worlds and so much crap going on. It's, yeah. Yep. But, yeah, man, it's been a good conversation. I was, I learned a lot. I didn't know that you, uh, that you worked the steps. I've also worked the steps. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you're like, even if you're not an addict, it's not a bad idea. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's and I, inventory. I told my daughter that. I, yeah. s- I said, I said, I said that, you know, I worked all these steps and I said, I said, I think everybody should work these steps. Like, why isn't everybody learning this? Uh, I think because we were talking about a higher power. And oh, I, and I, I, I start, wrong. yeah, I talked to, uh, and then I, that's how I got it. But yeah, I think everybody should. Yeah. Uh, it, it, why not? It's not going to hurt you, yeah. that's for sure. And then everybody's like always gets hung up on the fourth and fifth step every time, dude. Like, yeah. it's like, really, it's not. And luckily, um, a friend of mine was like, you have an advantage with the fourth and fifth step because you grew up Catholic. Because <laughs> <laughs> you went to confession. It's basically the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Except for a confession, I wasn't always fully honest. Exactly, right? Yeah. I cussed to my mom, I lied. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I cheated on my test. Like that was my confession yeah. back in Sacred Heart Cathedral. So yeah, yeah Sacred Heart, baby. Mm-hmm. 